Good evening, Patriots. And it's the end of Thursday, June 22nd in the year 2023. No surprise, but a headline that came up a little bit earlier this evening reads, staggering, in quotations, children from fatherless homes most affected by mental health, behavioral studies report shows. We're not surprised. It's all by design. And ultimately, it's what's leading to so much of this chaos, gender dysphoria, and all this other nonsense that's going on is the breaking of the family. We're going to talk a lot about that this evening. One thing you need to do right now is make sure you're taking good care of your health, keeping your immune system strong, making sure that you're taking the things that you need to make that happen. And that should be whole foods. We've seen a lot of supplement packages being used over the last few years with the COVID con. And it took a long time before I found something I was very satisfied with, something I take every day now. In fact, sometimes twice a day. And that's Field of Greens. It's a whole food supplement. Check it out. Patriots, our greatest health is achieved when we rely on God's bounty to support our whole body health. Field of Greens is a whole food supplement that empowers our mind, body, and spirit as we were designed. Each specific fruit and vegetable in Field of Greens has been medically chosen to support specific health functions like your heart, your liver, your kidney health, your immune system, and your metabolism. Field of Greens is organically sourced, manufactured in the United States, and the company is headquartered in Texas. It is a supplement designed to boost the full body-mind function using whole foods. Just read the ingredient label and you will see. It reads like a grocery shopping list, not a lab experiment. Field of Greens is also the only brand with a better health promise. Start using and enjoying Field of Greens. And at your next doctor's visit, if your doctor doesn't say something like, wow, whatever you're doing, it's working, keep it up, return it for a full refund. If you keep your body healthy, your mind and spirit will follow. So get started today. Use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to get 15% off by going to fieldofgreens.com. That's fieldofgreens.com. And if you sign up for the monthly subscription, which you can suspend or cancel at any time, you will get an additional 10% off. That is a total of 25% off. Just go to fieldofgreens.com and use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. Again, that's fieldofgreens.com, promo code BARDS. You know, tonight I'm sitting here sipping on a cup of Guatemalan organic coffee. And I'm bringing this up because this is the the guy I'm going to be learning to roast coffee from here in the next month or two. And the coffee place is called Bald Guy Brew. Baldguybrew.com. It's just just a just if you want great coffee, this is the guy that provided or the coffee house but this is Don, and he's the one who provided coffee for the Bards Fest gift packages. I'm telling you, I've had a lot of coffee in my time. This guy, Don, knows how to roast. It is awesome. So I'll just throw that out there. If you're looking for a good source of coffee, they're in North Carolina, Bald Guy Brew. So check it out. It's pretty good. All right, let's go through this article a little bit. And we've got some stuff to kind of touch on, but I want to start with this headline, roughly one in four U.S. children are living in fatherless homes, causing undeniable negative effects on the children's behavior and mental health, according to a report published by the American First Policy Institute. Comparing several dozen studies conducted from 1987 up to 2022, the AFPI, a nonpartisan research institute working to advance the policies that put the American people first, found clear correlations between children raised in fatherless homes and developmental challenges ranging from bad grades, anxiety, and suicide to violent behavior, drug use, and criminality. According to the data from the U.S. Census Bureau, according approximately 18.3 million children across America live without a father in the home, comprising about one in four American children, 80% of single-parent homes are fatherless. It's staggering. We talk about the situation in America, as we just did in the previous hour. I didn't even touch on this component of it. 
We were talking a lot about big corporate and government issues and threats facing America. But one of the longest term effects that has happened has been the destruction of the family. And that has been part of the intentional war to destroy America. And the entire left is on board with that war. And I say it because even though they're going to say things like, oh, we're, we're two gay guys, we're married, we have a child, they believe in the destruction of the traditional family. Because in order to have their type of family, based on their deviant sexual practices, they have to have the destruction of the traditional family, which was laid out by Father God. Hmm. Almost like Satan's children don't like God. Interesting. Spawns children, I swear. This is the challenges that we are facing in a deep, deep level. And every time we come up to these, we, we have to start reflecting deeply on the type of world that we want as well as where we are. Those are a balance. And we have to accept something very honestly. We're not going to get through this by ourselves, meaning just us on, sitting here going, okay, how's this going to happen? It is really in conjunction with our prayers in heaven because we need to move heaven and earth literally to get this to be changed. We are in a destructive point. And sadly, there's no quick fixes to any of this. These are heavy topics lately, and I understand that. And if you've come to Bards lately to get refreshed, I'm going to be honest. This week and probably for a while, we're going to have some a lot of discussions about the real truths that face us. But they have to be said. We can't continue to put on rose-colored glasses and just think that things are somehow going to go by and by and that we're going to get through this in a simple way because it's not going to happen. We have a real duty ahead of us. And we have to start helping and encouraging children to start thinking in terms of what good families are like. And we're probably going to face some pretty big crises in this nation that's going to force us all to have to get back to basics. Hopefully, that would be a prayer, I'll tell you. This corruption has been going on a very long time, like I said. And the whole idea of where they're arriving now, coming to this sudden realization with a study that shows that you know, children are having behavioral and mental issues because the families have been broken and the fathers are gone. That all pivots ultimately towards a country that has walked away from their faith and their love in Christ. Now, it's interesting. This parallel, this parallels what Russia went through during the Soviet era and then what it had to rebuild from in the last 30 years. That should be encouraging to you because it can be rebuilt. But Russia was so broken at the end of the Cold War that we helped lead and help destroy their economy. The only thing, one of the only things that they had as a commodity in a family to sell to make money were their daughters. And I mean this, this is how to a large degree, the porn industry and the Russian crime syndicate of trafficking young girls came into being was because we helped and worked aggressively at destroying an economy so sufficiently and a nation so sufficiently that the only thing it had left was to sell their children into the globalist empire. So if you're wondering at all about a motive for Putin going after Ukraine or where they may be going with this, I will tell you there's a fire in the belly of Russians these days, and they have no intention of ever having to go through that again. It's all in. And I would suggest that all of us in America get that serious as well, because that group of people, that cabal that destroyed Russia is doing the same thing to us right now. But it's not been new. Take a listen to this piece from 1956. This is stunning. The future certainly looks bright, but it isn't without its darker sides. According to some predictions, obesity will likely run rampant, and political corruption will become so commonplace as to be accepted. People with nothing entertaining or informative to say will broadcast their demands for attention, and once-beloved performers will become pushers of snake oil. Perhaps worst of all will be the emergence of a deadly and potentially devastating disease. Think of the last time that you contracted influenza. You were likely bedridden for days, having no appetite or desire to play games. 
Experts predict that by the year 2020, a new virus will rise, spreading from somewhere in Asia to the rest of the world. And with international travel being available to even the most common citizen, a sickness which would have been contained in years past will quickly spread to all corners of the globe. Wow, they must have had a crystal ball. They were actually able to predict COVID-Con in 1956. That piece was from 1956. The deep programming began that far back, and it took years to saturate it so that people would react accordingly. And they're doing it again now. They're just getting everybody prepared. They're getting prepared for a global blackout, a currency shift, grid outage, internet down, all these things. They're prepping that narrative now. And they're doing so because that time is coming. They're going to have to, they're into their last play. And the question really is this. Whom do we serve? Truly, whom do we serve? There is going to be a knee-jerk reaction by many to feel that it's just too tough when things really get tough, because we're not tough yet. I sat out here this evening. I went out. I don't know what's going on with my carrots this year, but I've had to replant them. This is the third time I've had to replant my carrots because they're just not sprouting like they normally do. So... Anyway, I just finished replanting half a bed of carrots. And it's just reflecting on how much we still have. How in this area where I live, it, you could really pretend, you could shut the news off and not know anything in the world is going on. Other than the fact that if you're buying stuff at the supermarket, prices are going up a bit. And if you pay attention to local news, you know that both Democrats and Republicans are now openly saying they're getting fed up with the woke LGBTQ agenda, which I'm happy to hear. That's local. But in the garden, I look around, and there's good bounty going on this year. We've got really good squash growing. or My tomatoes are exploding. Kale, chard, all that's growing. The tomatoes are blowing up. Peppers are doing great. I've got fava beans. They're doing great. My herb bed is doing great. The strawberries didn't do so well this year. The blueberries bushes are coming out looking nice. The, the lettuce beds are looking great. Sweet potatoes are doing well. All these things are doing pretty well. Beets are exploding. And all of that's happening within this little microcosm of a place, and you really wouldn't know that much is going on outside. But that's part of their agenda right now, is to lull America to sleep. And the vigilance of understanding what's happening is as important to drive everything we do every day. We've got to stay vigilant. You know, and I've said this before, because let's just say that in all of our preparations, in all these discussions, and I seldom go out on the limb of saying that, you know, where things are going to be. I did a little bit tonight because there seems to be a pretty clear path that we're going to go through a pretty rough time. And everything I'm getting from my prayers is saying, prepare. But let's just say that all this blows over and nothing dramatic happens, which if you believe that, if you think that's really going to be the path, there's only two things I can say to you. Either one, God has stepped in in a big way to fix things that we should have fixed, or two, that not being the case, I have a fantastic piece of swampland in the middle of Arizona and it's got a lush rainforest with it, too, for cheap, if you're interested. There's too many things going on in the human model that are pointing to a colossal failure. And, it, and it's a big one. AI's on the growth, on the rise. As we said here already, the family's broken. Children are suffering. And this is the biggest one. And I will tell you that everything from prayer is pointing to the fact that children are suffering. And what's happening now is they're indoctrinating children with all of this month of flags to get them accustomed to seeing this rainbow nonsense. And if you haven't noticed, the, the latest rainbow flag includes the trans flag on top of it. So it's a, it's a true pedophile flag. And the children are the ones that are the targets. Government agencies, in conjunction with crime organizations, in conjunction with psychopaths, in conjunction with pedophiles, and it's all one big happy criminal family, 
are out to destroy, rape, murder, kill children. It's just that's that's the target because they're not going to get the future they want without corrupting, subjugating, and feeding off of the young. We are dealing with true predators and predators in a level that most people are not accustomed to. When you're hunting, we are usually hunter versus prey, but there are certain animals you hunt where you can quickly become the prey. One is a grizzly bear. Another is a wild boar. In some places, the wild boars, especially in brush country, the wild boars will explode out of the brush. And if you are not quick to draw, you will be gored. Grizzlies, same. They can get pretty aggressive. So I say all this because we're dealing truly as prey. And we don't have a mentality of switching ourselves into the hunter mode. We need to. We need to be back to understanding that we are the stewards. And we like the soft words because... The Bible gives us words that we like to really soften down. We really like to pat them down, dust them with some baby powder, uh, make sure that they're all scrubbed and cleaned. And then when they little little when we get that little sense of an edge, we go, oh, no, 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 don't do that. Quickly, we take some sandpaper or a nail file and we file that down again. And then we then we run it through the washer about a half a dozen times, put softener in it. Then we dry it and tumble dry it, and then we fold it. And we get all this down. So the word finally comes out and we say, oh, stewards. Oh, that feels good. I must, I mean, it means I can put on my nice clothes today and I can walk around and I can gently love everything. And I can walk around the world and I can say, I love you and I want to hug you. These are the sorts of things we like to do because that's how we're conditioned. And we're raised in this amazing world of soft, pliable, spineless. And as we're learning now, they want a generation of men that are castrated. They call them trans. I wish I was making this up. I wish that every story I made here was an exaggeration. The problem is it's not. And I don't know what's happened to our pastors to a large degree, but once they go to seminary, they come out of seminary without any balls and they don't have any spine. And so we've lost the fire at the pulpit. And we don't have the venom that we need in this fight that we used to have that founded this country. Tyranny is tyranny. And God never told us to roll over to tyranny. Christ didn't tell us to roll over to tyranny. Christ confronted tyranny. And in that sense, tyranny was inside the church. He flipped tables. He challenged the Pharisees. He called them names. And he was profound. I mean, we forget many times, and I think this is what I, I, my perception is, that when we look at Christ, yes, he walked in human form, but we so humanize him that we forget he's the son of God. So we go, well, okay, well, he spoke up to the Pharisees. Uh, yeah, as like the son of God, he spoke up to the Pharisees. That was kind of big. Because at any moment, he could have called down war angels to rain down and just level the place. He was trying to lay out an example for humankind to work better together and to love one another. But in that process, he wasn't saying, and by the way, when the Pharisees try to take your child and rape it in the temple, um, I'm not asking you to sit around and, and love them. They're supposed to be an intensity that steps up in our soul. Now, I played this piece earlier today, and this is from a friend of mine, a soft operator, that what former soft operator, and he went into the VA today. And if you were in bended knee today, you heard this. And he went into the, into the VA, and what he discovered when he went into the VA is there wasn't a single American flag flying. Instead, there was the pedophile flags everywhere. And he has a conversation here as he's doing the intake being in, and when he comes in to uh, register for his appointment, he has a conversation with somebody, a man, I'm saying that loosely, who's apparently fairly light in the loafers. And it's interesting to hear how this goes. So take a listen. Is this from a while ago? Yes. Okay. Let me just look at it real fast. Why is everybody wearing like 
the rainbows and stuff and all the, the gay flags everywhere. Like, I see everybody wearing that stuff now. Well, it's, this month is the whole month of Pride Month. That's why they're doing it? Because there's, like, there's not even an American flag out there, but they have the gay flag out there. Yeah, I think so, yeah, because the whole month of June. Yeah, you guys don't think that's, like, disrespectful to all the veterans? I don't think that they died and fought for the gay flag and not the American flag. Right. It's kind of gross. They just have that displayed everywhere with no U.S. flags, especially with all the pedophilia and gender bullshit and drag shows and elementary schools, and you guys have that everywhere. That's kind of a slap in the face to a lot of guys. Yeah, well, it's the opposite for them, too, so you have to look at both sides. Guys didn't go to die for well, the gay did. flag. No, they died for the American flag yeah. and the principles this country was founded on, not for the gay flag and not for drag show shows at schools and stuff. Okay. Yeah, you can have a seat. Somebody will be here. Thank you. You have got to be a lion, and this is being a lion. This is confronting some fool behind the desk who's so brainwashed and bound, pounded on his keys to ingest somebody that he actually regurgitates the nonsense that this is fair not to fly the American flag right now because it's a different point of view. There isn't a single war that we have ever had that was fought to defend the right for two men to screw each other in the butt. There was never a single war that was fought to defend the right for groomers to groom and rape children. It was quite the opposite. So you have to be a lion, and you have to lean into this being a lion, and you have to be decisive in what you say, and you have to call these people out. This is about being on the front line. The more that we start to be vocal, this is part of accountability because this nation is not going to be reset unless we do two critical things. We can fight and win. We could literally, we could annihilate all of these groomers and we will still lose the fight if we don't get two things right, which are all pivoted off of one thing. So hear me out. I'll get to the one in a minute, but the two fundamentals that we have to get right is accountability and morality, accountability and morality. But all of that ties in through one principal issue. It's our relationship to God who established moral law across this entire nation. When we put our eyes on Christ to the Father, we are now living in a space of accountability and morality. And we know it because when we step outside of that, what do we need to do? We need to repent. That is part of our check and balance with God to keep us on track and to keep us focused on how to live our lives. We are imperfect. We are living in a world that is godless right now. Well, exactly, not exactly right, because that renacop that they call Satan is supposed to be a god that got cast out of the kingdom and sent his butt down here, and he's living and trolling around on everybody and leaf thinking he's going to win, which we know he won't. That one... The serpent, that one, well, you see, that's what they're worshiping. And because so much of what happens in the sacrifice of, through the blood of children, he's able to deliver real results in terms of physical power that is all temporal physical and has no sense in the afterlife. His little magic tricks are actually luring people in to believe that that's what they need to be. And he's whispered so many lies in people's ear and in their brain where they don't have a true relationship with God that they have now been deceived just like the Pied Piper and been drawn away into another world. That puts a lot of onus on us. There is not enough. There, actually, it's not just not even enough. There's a huge, timid approach by churches to reach in and to tell somebody in the gay community, you're a sinner. Well, in, in, I mean, I think we do that pretty well because I do it all the time. Yeah, you're, you're a deviant. You're a sinner. You're going to hell if you're, if you're living in the gay culture, LGBTQ culture. But here's what we're not saying. We don't want you to go that way. We truly don't want you to go to hell. And whether or not you believe in that or not, hear my heart, because I don't want that to befall you. What we want you to do is to meet the living God. 
Not the one that says he's your God, that keeps whispering to you, that keeps telling you the more you have butt sex, the better you're going to be. That's not the God we're talking about. We're talking about the living God, the God of miracles, the one God, the true God, the, the Lord of hosts, who will hold you accountable in this lifetime. Because I don't want to see, it's not my encouragement to send people to the lake of fire. I just know that if you deserve it, I'll be happy to kick your butt right down that elevator and I'll have no problem sleeping at night. Matter of fact, I'll, have an, I'll just pour myself another cup of organic Guatemalan coffee from Bald Guy Coffee. That's cool. And I'll watch you fall. And when I hear your screams, I'll be like, uh, bring me another cup, please. Because I'm not going to care. Because if you've gotten that far, you deserve where you go. Because that means you've done some pretty awful things. But that isn't where we are yet with many of these people. Many of these people have been deceived. And so it really is on us to resist the tyranny, to stand up and do what kingdom calls us to do and start leading these people, exposing these people, praying for these people and helping them find a way to Jesus. Because we all know this. If we can break through their hearts and the hardens of their hearts, if we can break through that, through our prayers or through our interaction, they're going to be truly in love with something they've never known. And love does heal. Love does do great things. But love is also heavy on the hand of accountability. And that's always the part we don't talk about enough. We always talk about love. Jesus loves everybody. He sure does. He also flipped tables. And he also makes it pretty doggone clear along his path, that there are things, there is accountability in this lifetime. Forgiveness is a big thing. And it's a big part of our walk. And as we help people find their way to Jesus, we are, we are walking the path that God wants us to walk. It doesn't mean we go unarmed, whether it's the sword of the spirit or sword of steel. And I always bring this up because it's such an important snapshot to keep grabbing hold of, which is that Peter had the sword of steel in the garden. Jesus never rebuked him. In fact, Jesus said, sell your cloak by a sword. He didn't say buy the whole gun store. He did say buy a sword. There's a reality in this world that it's dangerous, it's treacherous, that what the work that we do, the walk that we make, puts us at risk, as it should, if we're truly walking in kingdom. The courageous are not those that hole up in their bunker and polish their brass, and then when everything goes, when they're waiting for the day when everything goes awry so they can rise up out of the dirt with their AR and start shooting everything that moves. That's the weak. In fact, it's not even a warrior. And so when we start to really get into this, and what I really want you to visualize, especially for those that either watched or were at Bards Fest, please watch Joe Vega, Sergeant Major Joe Vega, which was Thursday night. That's on, we have all those up on YouTube. And please watch Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers. These are people I've worked with that I respect. And the, they come from the special forces. And why do I say all that? Because these aren't men that walk into a fight every time ready to engage and kill an enemy. Quite to the contrary, these are people that work in a principle of buy with through. And that is to, by working with the people, with the people, and through them, we raise up a great army. This is truly our walk. We, are, we look at the magnitude of what's coming at us. It's not that the numbers are greater than us. The resources, the access, the placement of these people is greater than what we have in this world. But in the greater picture of things, if we truly lean into our authorities and we're doing those authorities as Jesus said we have and we should do, spread the word of the spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, and greater works than he. It's a pretty good list. It's a lifetime of joy and accomplishment of victory and a greatness in your heart, knowing that when you do those things, you're truly engaging and destroying the enemy and saving souls. 
So in the harshness of the world that we live in, which it is, it's brutal, and the physical world, which was the assessment that I did a little bit ago in previous hour, it's fairly dark. We must never forget how much power and authority we have and how much of an important part we have in this fight on the ground. And central to all of this is to try to bring people, to bring people home. The, if you think about this, and this, I think this is just one of these testimonies that's, and you think about it, it's, it's mind-bending. Jeffrey Dahmer, who drugged, raped, and ate young men. I just want to be clear about those graphics. Had pieces of their body in a freezer. After he was tried, arrested, and put in jail. He accepted Christ. Now, there is one discussion that goes, oh, he was just doing that to fake it. All I know is this. If he's faking it, God's going to know, and the outcome's not going to be any better than if he didn't do it at all. So I don't think there's much to that story. But he accepted Christ. In God's eyes, he was forgiven. And that doesn't mean... Hear me out, because it doesn't mean he doesn't have consequences for what he did. And he sure as heck doesn't get to be first in the line for God's espresso machine. But he does find a way into heaven. Why do I bring that story up? We're dealing with some very atrocious criminals right now. People that are intentionally grooming kids. Doctors that are intentionally mutilating children. And they're doing so for profit and money distorted ideologies, whatever else. And they all need to be put on notice that the clock is ticking, that there is a sword dropping again. And this is not a sword that will bring unity. It is a sword that will divide. That's here. That's happening before us now. And there is accountability for what we do in this world. What we do in this world echoes into eternity. We are remiss in our duties, however, if we are not telling these people the truth. I've brought up, this is a great example I'm going to bring up because I brought this up before and I want to highlight it. One of the most criticized churches, and there's justification to criticize it, don't hear me out, is Bethel. Bethel produces amazing music. Not all of it is music I will play. I've selected, there's three songs I play regularly on here from Bethel Music. They're beautiful. There's probably four or five overall that I have in the playlist from Bethel. I select them. They're beautiful pieces. But Bethel is, Bethel's got a lot of corrupted ministry in it. But here's the thing. There's been books written on Bethel, disparaging Bethel. There's been unlimited social media posts, Facebook, Twitter, talking about the blasphemy of Bethel. And what there isn't, at least very little of it, is the direct conversations with Bethel to speak the truth of the Lord, to bring God's word to them and listen to what God's word is to deliver it to them and ultimately bring it to them so that the truth is spoken and we become the watchers on the wall. It's easy to sit behind a desk and throw stones. It's a courageous warrior that can walk into a place like Bethel or sit down with the pastors of Bethel, whoever they are, and speak truth to power. Not easy. And that's exactly it. The mission's not easy. I happen to know that there are some that have done it. God called me to speak to one of their pastors. I did. I also walked a bloodline around Bethel's new property. I did. God led that. 30 acres of walking, and I've told you that story. And I know that others have, there are others that have done the same. But I also know there's a whole lot more that have thrown stones and not done their duty to sit across and to slay out their issues with Bethel to either have Bethel respond or to take it to prayer and to bring it to God. I'm saying that because we have the same issue going on on a broader cultural issue with everything out here. 
We need to be engaging those in this environment. And I'm not telling you we're going to get anywhere, but it is our, still our duty as watchers on the wall to speak the truth to these and let them know what the accountability is for what they're doing. There have been some great examples of this in public meetings where people have ultimately told them, you will be held accountable to God. This is a true statement. If they wish to walk away from it, cast it off as nothing, then the blood is on their hands. Part of our warfare, part of us being warriors, mighty warriors in kingdom is for us to step in. We don't, it's, it always goes back to me in so many ways of the encounter with Joshua and the captain of the Lord of hosts army. Because as we step into that kingdom space, as Joshua says, are you for us or against us? And the captain of the guard says, neither. You're staying and. And it is such a prominent point because he's representing God. He's not going to deal with the trivialities of your fight. God has a mission for you. And ultimately that mission on a bigger scale is to bring as many children home as possible to avoid the, the issue of being on the ride to the lake of fire. That's a greater perspective of God's will than us getting bent out of shape and talking about vengeance. Because the warrior of the kingdom can't have a vengeful heart. We have to have a forgiving, loving heart. That does not mean justice is not delivered, nor does it mean we don't ask for justice, nor does it mean we don't ask for judgment. And where we're going right now with a tyranny that's so out of control, it's one of the reasons that I've put a lot of prayer emphasis into delivering prayers where we're asking for a moment, an encounter, a powerful engagement with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, with Father himself. That every one of these people that's involved in grooming kids, pushing an LGBT agenda, being gender confused, encouraging people that are gender confused to go through surgery transition, all these horrific things, praying that they will have a profound and immediate encounter that will give them absolute clarity on the choice of whom they serve. Father is not quick to wrath nor quick to judgment. But when it comes, it is decisive and powerful. But life is a precious thing. And as angry as we get in these moments, and it's easy to, because we are dealing with some very devious people. Unfortunately, we're not on an equal playing field. And that equal playing field, and this is, I've used this metaphor recently, it's a scale. Imagine a two-sided scale, the old-fashioned ones, if you've seen those, where you put weights on one side and you put product on another. Well, the problem is that people have grown up in a culture where God's been stripped out. And the only encounter most people have had, or many people have had, is churches that are broken, skinny jean, weak pulpit, marshmallow pew, limp-wristed Jesus church encounters. And worse is that many of these pastors themselves are not are gay. That's a true statement. And even worse is that the youth pastoring, there's only like 18% of the youth pastors that see the world through a biblical lens. So the corruption of the church is massive. And then we wonder when we look around, we're like, I can't believe you're doing this. There is such a distortion in the teachings in the church. And, and to yet another problem is that there's not any experience of encountering, living, and breathing with the living God, the God of miracles. Everything is just obedience and words. And so they get other experiences. They start to seek. All these people end up seeking. They seek, and they become subject to a very intense demonic attack. We go back to that statistic at the beginning. It's stunning. 18.3 million of children across America live without a father. And they don't even know that they have a father in heaven because they've never had an opportunity to meet him, to learn who he is, to understand that he will guide them in in the missing aspect of their earthly father. What do we expect? Our war has to be on many facets. We have to be adaptable and very agile warriors in this time. And the agility of us being warriors 
is to awaken people to the threat of this LGBTQ agenda. We need to hold those people accountable and inform them and teach them of what accountability in heaven is like. We need to be clear on the lines that they're crossing, and they need to understand if they cross them, there are consequences. We have to present a moral framework for life. And if they don't agree, they reject it, then that's it. But it's then at least they know where things are. We've done our job as watchers on the wall. If we're going to open a conversation with you're going to hell, it's probably not going to go much past the hello. And you definitely aren't going to get served chocolate chip cookies at the end. So engage people with your heart, a heart for the love of Jesus. And let's wage this war. We need a, be- we need a better ground game. Antifa is doing a great job on their ground game. Antifa gets out and hits the ground and talks about many things as the churches close their doors and lock them and start preaching from the pulpit to be safe from the enemy that circles outside. But we nonetheless have an obligation to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ into this world. And that is probably one of the greatest swords we could ever carry. Joshua walked around Jericho with his army seven times, he was directed, and seven times on the seventh day. And I bring this up because there's another way of looking at this. We look at this in that seven passes, almost like it was preparation for war. And there's a lot of interpretations of this is like what was happening is it was creating the energy vortex to eventually collapse the walls. I don't think that's actually true. I think that their presence was an opportunity for everyone there to repent, no matter who they were. So there are stories that says they were all Nephilim inside. Maybe true. Some would say, that well, Nephilim could never go to heaven. I don't know. I don't have that answer. I can't give you that answer. I just know this that there was seven opportunities and actually 14 opportunities to repent. Accept Jesus and repent. Accept God, the Jesus, the pre-Jesus. Accept God and repent. I don't know that that was exactly the case, but it sure seems pretty likely. Because otherwise you'd have to ask, why didn't God just go in there and smoke them down and like say, go kill them all? Because again, we see this temperance of Father. Even when we look at Sodom and Gomorrah, the city was lost way over the edge. And the angels came in to set, to set Locke and his family free. But even then, there were rules given. Don't look back, right? But it's a big deal when finally that sort of judgment comes to earth. And I really feel that part of this fight that we're in and why God keeps putting on my heart You must master the loving and forgiving heart. It's not that he wants to see those that are extolling pain walk free. There is a judgment coming. He knows, as we should know, that there's many out here that are being lured into this, being wrapped into the wrapper of LGBTQAI plus nonsense that don't know better, that don't know the living God. I'm not excusing groomers, trust me. Because most of them are intentional in what they're doing and they're doing it by design. It's not to say that they can't be saved. But that's going to be a hard pitch for me at the end. But I will say there's a ton of people that they're luring in that need to be pulled out and separated. We have to literally execute the separation, the threshing floor, to pull apart those. And this is, by the way, is unconventional warfare at its best to separate out the hardcore ideologically driven enemy from those that follow that because they're either afraid or don't know better. And once you start to rift and separate that enemy out, you find those that you can work with. Some will choose not to participate. Some will choose to go back to their 
evil overlords. And there's another batch that will join your forces and they will become more passionate, more empowered than anybody else in your ranks because they know what happened to them and they don't want to see it happen to others. That's ultimately our great mission. And it's a big one. It's an exciting one. It's a dangerous one. And it's why God expects us to do it because it's his children that are in love with him that understand how important that mission is. We have a big mission ahead of us, a powerful one. And it's one that we have to literally tighten up our boots, hoist the pack on, and lean into. And we have to take risks. We have to try. We have to keep our prayers on the offensive. We have to pray into their strongholds to break them. We have to lead with that scripture, the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to wield that sword mightily. We need to trust that the Holy Spirit's going to be doing its part too. We have to be a little slower on the hand of judgment or judging others, but mighty in the sword of delivering the truth of the gospel and the truth of accountability and morality. And as we march forward, part of that is confronting these people with the truth because that's also the job of the watcher on the wall. And as we do, we expose them. And we have delivered the message. If we're tied in and listening to what Father is saying, we are delivering the message from from our Father. And if they choose to ignore it, then blood is on their hands, not on mine and not on yours. But the clock is ticking. There is a mightiness coming. I don't know the time or the hour. Nobody does. And I won't ever make that prediction. And I don't look at this in the way many people do, because I'm not trying to frame the details and trying to give you exactly what events lead to this. I just know what's on my heart, that there's an urgency of pushing forward. And that urgency may be our entire life, by the way. It may just be something that we all need to lean into because God's clock is not our clock. And if that's the case, and I would say I hope you look at it like that, because it makes it more realistic in your commitment. When you look at this mission before you and you say to yourself, oh, I, I got to hurry. Jesus is coming. I don't know what that looks like. He might arrive tomorrow. He might arrive in a thousand years. But when I look at this mission and I, for myself, I look at it and I say, Father wants me to continue to pursue these things. And I accept that mission. I accept that mission until the day I stop breathing on this earth and he calls me home. If something interrupts it along the way, like Jesus arrives, thumbs up, baby, that's cool. But I didn't make the commitment on that timeline. I made the commitment for what God asked me to do. And that is until he gives instructions. Otherwise, that is my mission for my life. Because What we have ahead of us isn't going to change quickly other than something he can do by his hand. It's not going to change quickly. And that means our job is never done. In fact, it gets more important as we go to be able to be true deliverers of the authorities given to us to heal, to cast out demons, to raise the dead, and to do greater works. That's pretty much a lifetime of excitement right there. And I'll take it. And challenge. So reflect, pray, consider where we are. Everyone has a place in this fight. But our most important mission right now, it would seem to me, is to disrupt the enemy. To break the enemy's ability to operate effectively as a cohesive unit. That's being effective. That's guerrilla warfare at its finest. And to do that, There is always and always has been one great tool we have. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because through that, the mightiness of that sword, we can separate out the weak-hearted into the ranks that can be forgiven and will repent. 
we can separate out those that are ideologically lost and know the true face of our enemy. And those that wander in the middle, we can at least give them a pathway to make a choice. And those that join the ranks of the kingdom, as I said before, you will find that they will become mighty in that space because they understand very clearly what happened to them on the other side, and they will build a passion to prevent it from happening from anybody else. They will be mighty frontline fighters. Let's pray. Father, we're here today with just humbled deep reflections of the throughout the day, some heavy topics today, Father. Our children, the war on our children. This whole week has been the focus on this deep war against morality, against our faith, against the critical things that build kingdom, the children, the family, the men. And as we move through this week, it has been a heavy week of topics and reflection. So Father, tonight, I have a prayer that I want to ask for everybody that has listened. I have a prayer of just restful, peaceful sleep. A prayer to now just be replenished to feel the blessings and joy of the Holy Spirit, to have an encounter, whether in dream or in waking hours, truly an encounter that is so amazing and fulfilling. It's a reminder of who we are, an encounter with the Holy Spirit, an encounter with Jesus, an encounter with angelics, but an encounter at a kingdom level. So, Father, I'm asking this, the authorities given to me by our Savior, Lord and Lord, Jesus Christ, that everyone that has listened and continues to walk through this journey this week, which it has been a heavy one, that they are blessed, truly blessed with restful, peaceful, and kingdom-level replenishment in their body, soul, mind, and spirit. That there is a moment to breathe a moment to just breathe in the Holy Spirit, a moment to just reflect on the beauty and glory of who we are, a moment to take a step off the battlefield just a little bit and to just reflect on all that's been given, the glory that you've put before us and done for us, the gifts that you shower upon us. For those that are carrying heavy pain, and there's many, we just pray, Father, for healing a lifting of that pain, a chance to step back and take a breath, to shed the tears necessary to lift that pain off their heart. Jesus, we just pray that just right there you can be there. And there's people out here tonight that need to hear this, that you're not alone, that Jesus is right there with you right now. And you just need to reach in and lean into him. And you need to let those tears flow. Don't hold back. And if you're angry, speak your anger into the world. And if you're hurt, speak your hurt into the world. Because what you're doing is you're letting go of the anchors of things that are holding you back. And let God hear your heart. And let... Jesus be there with you to heal that and let the Holy Spirit fill that void that's within you. For those that have anxiety or fear, whatever it is, speak these things into the world. Speak to Father candidly and honestly with your heart. And it's there that the true relationship begins. It's there that you begin to seek the face of our Father. So whoever you are that needed to hear that, maybe it's everyone. This is an important hour to do just that. The world is a heavy place at times. And not always do we have a place like a garden to go in and just reflect on. Sometimes the world seems to box us in. Don't box in God. Don't box in Father. All that we feel, that we have in our minds and this noise and confusion, anger, chaos, all of these things 
just breathe and ask him to take them away and imagine breathing in the Holy Spirit and in so doing, refresh yourself. And Father, that's my prayer. A beautiful, refreshing experience, healing experience, an unwaiting experience for all those that need it and all those that desire it and all those that seek it. And I say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. It's easy to get balled up with all of this. God made me in a weird way. I can't explain it. I just know someone, a number of people have said to me recently, it's like, it's really wearing you down. It's like, no, it's not. I'm intense right now in a different way. It's not an intensity that it's easy to describe. I'm focused. That's part of it. My heart's not heavy in the normal sense. It's heavy with the pain that the children are going through. I cry probably every day at some point or another over the pain and suffering our children go through. And I turn myself to Father and I just say, we've got to fix this. But it's not an anger and a vengeance towards an enemy. It's a focus towards an enemy. It's a compassion and an empathy for those that have been misled. And it's an intensity towards an enemy that's not driven by anger or hatred, but purely by the need to bring them to justice and to deliver them to a place where Father can execute that justice and judgment, because that's not for us to do. And if Father so leads that that justice is to come through my hand, then that's how it is. But that's not typically the case. So I just wanted to say these things to clarify because I do get intense and I am an intense person, but that's how Father made me. And the longer and farther we go down this path, the more I understand why he made me that way. Seek his face. Understand that we are all here for a much greater mission than we've ever imagined. That the glory that we walk in, the light of kingdom, is truly something profound and it's a gift that we must cherish and build upon. And as intense as the battlefield can be, never lose perspective that we are trying to bring people home. And as intense as that enemy is in going after the children, never hesitate to step in front of them as they go for the child to hold the line and do the right thing. And above all, listen to wit where Father wants us to be. Because right now is a critical time and probably more critical than ever that we are listening to him and obeying him as we need to. And it's there that we find the greatest reward. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Tomorrow is Prayer Friday. If you have prayers, make sure and get them in. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest Get back in